Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for pets. Trupanion supports breeders like us that go above and beyond to breed healthy, happy litters. Send your puppies home with their best paw forward with Trupanion's Breeder Support Program. Their Go Home Day offer gives your buyers exclusive coverage that goes into effect immediately with no waiting periods. I'm part of the program and I love knowing my own litters are protected from the unexpected the minute they head to their new homes. Trupanion also provides you with data and insights into your litter's health so you can make smart, informed breeding decisions. Sign up is easy and free. Just follow the link on my partner page at www.puredogtalk.com. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and today we have part two of our episode talking with Brian Martin. He is a retired professional handler. He is a retired executive field representative for the American Kennel Club and is now embarking on his judging journey. And just a wonderful representative for the sport of purebred dogs. So I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. I'm at Canfield. Mr. Orlandi says to me, Dom says, you know, you're going to do well with bumper cars. I said, yeah, I hope so. He looks good. He says, well, you know, we're going after the record. I looked at him and I said, are you freaking nuts? I said, my knees are still sore. 52 best in shows with Gatsby, 189 group first, number two dog in the country. Right. And we're going to go after the record. Oh, yeah. He says, get ready. We're going. He says, I'll buy you a rig and everything, and you just go on the road. Yeah, right, Dom. Okay. They said, well, we're looking at trucks and trailers. I said, look, I'm not doing a trailer. I don't want to pull anything. I'll flip it somewhere. I don't want to mess with it, the setup. I said, some kind of motorhome would be fine. He buys me a fun mover. I remember that truck. (laughs) I ended up with three fun movers. The total time I showed for Claudia, I put that much miles on all these rigs. And then bumper cars grew up, and he was number two best. And only won 45 best in shows, but he won 250 group first. So we broke that record. Okay. And he won the national, and all that stuff worked out. And he was top hound in the country. And Claudia is sitting there at the dinner, and she says, you know... I really like this dinner. She says, this is a good dinner to go to. She says, we should do this more often. (laughs) Well, I wanted two more times with Beethoven and another time with Silver Noodles. Yes. We wanted to break the bitch record for best in shows. The funniest thing, I thought I broke the bitch record at 16 and nobody could ever confirm the best in show record for bitches. Oh, really? Nobody nobody had any records. 
So I win Best in Show, and Jimmy Mitchell is the field rep there. And I said, Jimmy, I just broke the bitch record in Basset Hounds. He said, how many do you have? A 16. He said, you tied it. Oh, no. How the hell would you know? <laughs> he said, well, I worked for Frank Hardy when he was showing Banshee for Chris Teeter in Detroit. And he said, she had 16, so you only tied it. You got more work to do, boy. Oh, no, that's funny. So I got 23. I blasted the record. <laughs> there you go. That's the way but to I be. I got 23 but that was 17 up there that I yeah. broke that record. Yeah. I remember her. I watched you show her how many million times. So <laughs> Claudia said, I really like this dinner. So I got her three more dinners to go to. There you go. There you go. But after 30 years of doing this, it got a little wearing on us. Yes. You know, being on the road and I had two vehicles and keeping the kennel running and the house and the yard maintained. And so it was just getting a bit much. And Nancy had had great successes with Spinoni's. Yes. She won five best in shows, a record holder in Spinoni. She still holds that record. Still holds that record. Japanese chin. She broke the breed record at... 16 wow. with a dog for Maripi, Woolridge, and Jennifer. Yeah. And then we're at a show in Columbus, Ohio, and Danny Goodland's working for us then. Yes. Who is now on her own. And she had to go out and have a cigarette every two hours or whatever. So she's outside sucking on her cigarette, and James Dalton is there, and he's got this young chin bitch that he's walking her around, letting her pee and whatever. And she says to him, has Nancy seen this bitch yet? Right, right. And he said, no, I was going to show her to her later. He said, she's going to go crazy seeing this bitch. Right. Next thing, bitch is in the truck. <laughs> 16 best in shows right. on a chin bitch. Nancy won the first best in show on a chin ever. In 1984. Wow. Polly Smith gave her best in show. We showed for Dr. Arthur and Mark Burkell, who mm -hmm. both passed. But Dr. Arthur was a dermatologist that worked on AIDS patients when they didn't know they had AIDS. Oh, my gosh. It was skin conditions. And he was treating a lot of those early people with skin conditions for AIDS. He was very big pioneer in the studies right, there right great guy generous beyond belief very cool and so nancy won the very first best in show on a bitch in 1984 and we've had a chin in the house ever since that bitch she mm -hmm. came to us at the end of 83 and i've had a chin in the house they're the greatest yeah thing i got a 12 year old bitch now that's probably going to be our last chin i can't imagine you guys without chins yeah so you retire from handling. We all get to that point. Your knees are bad. Your yeah. attitude's bad. Everything's bad. It's time to do something else. You worked for how many years? Eight years? Ten years as a rep? Seven and a half. Yeah. I said to Nancy, I said, why don't I apply for this? John McCartney was retiring. So there was going to be an opening in the Midwest. So I applied and they said, well, can you start now in September? And I said, 
no, I can't start now. I said, if you could hold the position till the end of the year, I don't need to go to the garden, but I need to finish out my dogs for the year for my clients. I just can't do this. And they said, well, no, we got to fill the position now. So, okay, we keep on showing. And then another position opens in the Northwest. And I asked Nancy, I said, you want me to apply again? She said, sure, go ahead. She said, we can move to Oregon. My sister lives there. We'll have some contacts, da, da, da. So I reapplied and they came right back. Are you serious this time? I said, I was serious last time. Right. But this time, you know, it's three months into the year, not nine months into the year. Right. I So I was hired in April of 2013 and made the trek out here to Oregon, which was a long drive. Had to pack up a house of 30 years. Right. Which, if anybody I knows can't what even. that's like. Can't even. You know, it's just, I found things, I knew where they were approximately. <laughs> but you had to peel away the years of stuff that was on top of it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, I found my picture from placing third in the junior finals at the Garden. Oh, my God. I knew it was in this area. <laughs> it was probably in this room. You know? I was off about a foot, but I still found it buried. Oh, my God. Little treasures like that, right. which was right. fun. Which are special. Which yeah. are absolutely special. And now, thanks to the pandemic, you are moving on and you're going to be judging. Right. I said to Nancy, I said, you know, rather than spend five years and a lot of money going to seminars and going to this and going to that, if I can hold on to a rep position for five years, mm-hmm. their golden watch was a full group. Yep. That was your thank you for your service and you get a group of your choosing. So I said, we hang in there long enough. At least one of us can start judging. Right. And you can start building your portfolio. So when it comes time, so don't you know, Friday the 13th, I get the call. Your position has been eliminated. You're not fired. We're letting you go because your position's been eliminated. And I understand because there have been no shows in the Northwest. And they've only had two or three. Two. Yeah. But interestingly, the show that we both judged, the international show, yes. three weeks yes. ago, yes. was really enlightening to me. And I came to the total realization, not that I hadn't when I was showing dogs for clients and whatnot, but it's amazing how many people in AKC, UKC, this international group, have no understanding how to read a standard and how to interpret a standard and how to go to somebody and talk to somebody about the standard and the hows and whys and wherefores of studying standards. And the international show that we did where we had to write a critique, so we had to know the standards. And what I was ended up doing was showing people what the standard says about their dog. And they'd say, oh, I didn't know that. And 
it's a whole educational program that is missed. Yes, I agree. And it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating. And I see it in young handlers today that might have talent in molding a dog or they're flashy or they can run fast or whatever. They give you the stink eye or give the judges a stink eye when they don't win and don't have any concept of why they didn't win. You know, I was always taught as a handler, don't spend your time at ringside holding your dog for a half an hour. If you had time, don't do it. Go to the ringside, scope out the competition. Bring your catalog with you, or if you know the dogs or know what classes they're in, and scope out the competition and see who you got to beat. And then when you get in the ring, continue to scope out and figure out, well, my dog's got a better head than anyone in the class, but he sticks his elbow out. How am I going to keep that elbow in? Show him the head. (laughs) Push the head more. Or my dog's got a great top line and two of the other five are saggy back. Emphasize that. Show your dog. Yeah. But so little of that, it's not so much overhandling. It's just helping some of these judges. But I don't see enough of that anymore. I don't see that in any of the young kids. The girl, Danny, that worked for us, she picked it up. Yeah. We emphasize that. Larry Cornelius worked for us. Yeah. We emphasize that. He went on, God knows, his life story. He has a great story. Now he's a rep. You know, I was so proud. I was almost crying when he went best in show at Crufts. And then when he was reserve at the garden and he won the Yukonuba at the time, it was the AKC show. I couldn't have been prouder. You know, not having any children, these were our children growing up. Larry yes. came to us when he was 17 or 18, you know, mm-hmm. and he stayed with us for almost four years. Mm-hmm. That's a formative life. It is. I mean, it's the same thing. My assistants, those are my kids. I don't have any. Those are mine. Yeah, so... We would emphasize that. And that all came from when we would have dinner, my family would have dinner. My mother cooked. She'd bring the food to the table. My father served us. We'd have dinner. We always had dessert. They always had coffee. There was always a little cake or cupcake or a pie or something. I know. And that's how I got the great figure that I got. However, during dessert, The Book of Standards came on the table. Nice. And we had weekly discussions. We'd have, okay, let's talk about heads tonight in Basset Hounds. Describe the head, and we'd go round the table, and everyone would say something. And Okay, who do you think has a good head? Who do you think has a bad head? Do you have a picture? Go get a picture. One night we'd talk about shoulders and why the shoulder needs to be a wraparound, why the shoulder needs to be well laid back, why the shoulder blade and the upper arm have to be the same length to make it a proper working hound, how the back end has to match the front end, how the whole thing gets done in the middle, you know, and how the pieces fit. It's a form and function which has stuck with me forever. And that's my basis, is form and function judging. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. 
Hey crew, are you looking for the gold standard in canine DNA testing for your breed? Join the winning team at Embark and manage your dog's health, optimize your breeding program, and improve your litter's bloodlines. As the highest rated dog DNA test on the market, they have a lot in common with Westminster's most legendary champions. Plus, they know your breed like the back of their paw. Select ideal breeding pairs to support healthy pedigrees and lifelong care. Find out why thousands of breeders have trusted Embark to help manage their breeding program from improving genetic health and diversity to screening for disease mutations, understanding traits, and more. To save on the most accurate, most comprehensive canine DNA test, visit EmbarkVet.com and use code PUREDOGDOG to enjoy $20 off each kit in your order. That's EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use code PUREDOGTALK. Their world-class scientists and veterinary geneticists are standing by. I didn't get a chance to talk to you. Dogmanship. I've created a program through Pure Dog Talk called Dogmanship. What I learned in 4-H, what you learned at your kitchen table that nobody is teaching right now. Right. It's sad. You know, and then it goes on as you look at more dogs and whatnot. I remember looking at a Saluki. I think it was Jackie Harrington's, one of her Salukis. And the standard talks about a far gazing look. Yes. And I watched that dog and it looked past the ring as it went around. You could see it looking far away. I watched videos of my old Gatsby dog. And what I loved about him, no matter what size ring he was in, he was able to adjust. And you could watch him going around the ring. And if you looked at that little beady eye going 20 feet away, you could see the determination in his eye. Not all dogs have that. Not all dogs want to be there. You got to encourage that. You got to bring them along. You got to milk them. You got to live with them. You're really top dogs. When that dog farts, you got to know what it ate. Yep. You just have to know that much. And I don't see much of that anymore. Yes. It is a game. It is a game. You got to play it. You got to know how to play it. And so few people remember how to play the game. They all think, oh, it's political. It's all, uh, uh, they're friends. So, of course, he's going to put his friends up. No, it's not so much that. Maybe the friend's got the best dog. Maybe the friend knows what to show you. Exactly. And that involves knowing what you have and what the other guy's got. Yeah. Which means you have to read your standard. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Brian. So here's my favorite one. This is our game. This is the pure dog talk game on the interview. Oh, Jesus. I know. Here you go. I told you. I warned you. I know you did. Here's your best in show lineup. This is lifetime favorite dogs. Seven of the best dogs you've ever seen. One from each group. Tell me who wins, which groups, and who goes best in show. Well, I was fortunate to grow up in the life of very early aristocrat, the Springer. A big thing about looking at dogs and judging dogs is that you need to set a template for what you're driving at and what you're looking at and how does that template meet. So 
these are more or less my templates. Yes, exactly. So sporting group would be aristocrat. Working group was Kafka, the Doberman, George uh, Doberman. Yeah. Kryptonite. Mm-hmm. I saw him as a young dog on the Tar Heel circuit, and I called Nancy. I said, I found the second coming. <laughs> so Terrier would be Shannon, the Scotty. The Scotty. Okay. All right. Shannon, the Scotty. Oh, toys. I like our chin bitch. She was so good on her legs. So good on her legs. I've never seen a chin walk like that before or after. And I just think she was just spectacular. Non-sporting. The one that really comes to mind was the Dalmatian that Dennis McCoy showed. The green star bitch that he showed for Mrs. Robeson. But I loved her line. She was so clean. And she just really grabbed me when I saw that. In the herding group, I thought Mystique just took my breath away. Mm -hmm. She just floated around the ring. That and Manhattan. But Mystique was just the right size and the right balance. And everything fit. And Mm -hmm. she didn't have a big head or little head you know it was just one of those things that i like to watch about her now to hounds you know of course i'd love to say bumper cars i thought he was between gatsby and bumper cars bumper cars was a little bit typier but i'm not going to go there with that i think michael's afghan i think it was triumph that I saw for the first time when he went best in show under Mrs. Clark in Louisville was just a flawless performance and never quit. He always gave such a beautiful performance going around the ring. I love Triumph. Fabulous. Now. That's some interesting ones. This is a great, this is totally, I think, except for Mystique, I think this is different than any of the other ones I've had. Now who goes best? Oh, Jesus. I think I would probably put the Scotty best. Legit. I stood behind her in Best in Show I don't know how many times. And I would bitch and scream about the way that she would show. Because she was always spinning. But she'd see a fly on the floor. She'd see an ant on the floor. And she'd park herself. And it was just magnificent. And George had just enough control of her that... You know, even if she did spin when he needed her, he got her, and she gave such a grand performance. You know, and George, he was unlike any other person. And I think that's so important, Brian, and I think that just sort of in closing, we can share with the listeners, is really emphasize that. Every person who comes to judging has a story or a path, whether it's yours or mine or anybody else's. And along the way, you see great dogs, whether you owned them, whether you showed them, whether you competed against them, you see those dogs and they set type in your mind, that template, that picture. And every dog is measured against that picture. Mm -hmm. You know, and it comes with just being observant, asking questions. And I'm not saying I'm infallible. I'm not saying I didn't make mistakes over the years or forever or 
even in my job as a field rep, but I try. And you pay attention. And I think that that is, as you say, knowing the standard is something that everybody, and knowing basic structure. Yeah. That's why I think some of these programs are so important. So. Yep. All right. Well, Brian, I have to run, but I have enjoyed our time tremendously. I always (laughs) enjoy talking to you. Tell Nancy she's next up on my hit list. (laughs) All right. All right. Thank you, man. All right, crew. Are you excited for Westminster this year? I say come join us for a breeder appreciation party on Friday, June 11th, being sponsored by Good Dog, Embark Vet and True Panion. We'll be outdoors at Hudson Anchor Rooftop, less than 10 minutes away from Westminster, and there will be free food, drinks, live music, giveaways from Chris Christensen, Revival Animal Health, and more. Plus, you can bring your dogs and celebrate the return of dog shows with lots of your fellow breeders. And P.S. If you didn't get the memo yet, Greenwich Kennel Club is hosting a weekend of standalone specialties just 30 miles down the road from Terrytown in Norwalk, Connecticut. I'll be floating around in all the places, and I can't wait to see everybody. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk. 